opinions of the commentator or commentators are solely those of the commentators and not of CJAD 800 or Astro. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 807 on CJAD. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. Uh, welcome back for a new season, Josh. Great to be here. 2011, going to be a fantastic year. And our guests this evening are uh, two owners of Domino's franchises, Rob Lekornick and Jesse Goodwin. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Thanks very much. You know, uh, Dan, as we, as we kick off the, the 2011 year, and, uh, and with Super Bowl coming up just around the corner, you know, what are we thinking about? We're thinking about ordering pizza. We're thinking yeah. about kicking back in front of the TV, notwithstanding all that we ate during the long-ago holidays that we've already exercised over. So we figure, you know, it's a great way. We have a couple of really interesting guys that have been friends for a really long time. And now we get inside a little inside look about running a Domino's franchise or two. Uh, Rob and Jesse look like they're dreading Super Bowl Sunday already. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're used to it. We've uh, been doing it for years. Is it, uh, is it as crazy as one would imagine on that day? It could be. It depends on the teams that are playing, but we've had some uh, pretty wild Super Bowls. Yeah, it's usually one of the busiest days of the year, like uh, Halloween and uh, also July 1st, moving day. Mm. So tell us, Rob and Jesse, tell, I believe you have two franchises that you run today. So kind of tell us where you are today and bring us back to the beginning. Uh, and you, you might each of you have slightly different beginnings, but then bring, it back, bring us back to the beginning and let us know how you got into the franchise of Domino's. Well, uh, I first started off as a uh, driver at Domino's Pizza. My brother is working there part-time through university, and he thought it was a really fun job, flexible hours, and he was earning good money. So uh, I tried my hand at it, and I uh, really enjoyed it. For myself, I uh, started in 1988 as a driver. Um, worked my way through the system and uh, became an assistant manager in the early 90s. And from there, we just, uh, we met at Domino's. And did you, like you went from assistant manager and you said, you know what, hey, it seems like a good business and I want to kind of put the dollars in my own pocket. So that's where you went with the franchise? Like where was that moment where it kind of just clicked in your head and said, hey, got to go do this now? Well, uh, when I was working as a driver, I became assistant manager in 1995, 1996. And I really enjoyed how this system worked. I mean, myself, I really love customers. I love serving the customers. And I thought it'd be amazing to uh, be able to do that for myself. And that's that's kind of where I got started. I mean, I love also the way that this system, the Domino system set up. So I thought that'd be a great opportunity. And Rob, was it was it a similar experience for you? Uh, it was. Um, I like the uh, the challenge of working in the store and the, the scheduling and, and controlling of the costs and that part of the business as well as as well as the service, uh, providing good service. So you 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 have this this thought you're going to open a restaurant uh, a franchise excuse me. What do you do first? Like what are your first few steps in venturing into this that you I guess are really not a hundred percent sure of what you're going into? Uh, well, one of the first things, of course, is we need uh, financing, and we need uh, we have to do some research into which location, which area we're going to open up in, and so that was a big obstacle to overcome. Yeah, we uh, researched the uh, the area. We looked into uh, population uh, types of income for the area, and we found an area that we that we liked, which was in uh, Verdun. Our first location is in Verdun. Did you ever consider perhaps opening up your own independent uh, shop versus uh, going with the franchise? And and what made you go with one instead of the other? 
well, one of the reasons why we went with Domino's is just because we were both working in it. We both both love the setup of Domino's Pizza. I mean, it's very customer, very customer service oriented and very efficient in terms of all the equipment being very close by and making sure that the customer has a fast uh, pizza delivery. So uh, we both enjoyed it. And as I said, we both like the support system that it had. So uh, that's one of the reasons why we decided to go with that. When a lot of businesses set up, uh, you know, they always talk about real estate and location, location, location. Rob, you alluded to it before. Uh, how did how did you choose that location? Uh, how much was uh, was Domino's the the, the key franchisor uh, implicated in that? Uh, can you explain the process a little bit? Well, they actually they leave that up to you to to research the area and find the location. Once you find uh, a spot that you you find will help you succeed, um, they come in and they approve it and tell you whether or not it's suitable for uh, your needs. So you guys just kind of drive around the areas and, and look for places, or you're kind of, uh, I don't know how much online information there was at the time in the in the mid-late 90s, but uh, so how did you go about choosing that specific location? Well, we drove around the locations. We did actually physically do that. We looked in newspapers as well, and we met with landlords, and uh, the rest from there is pretty much history. We uh, found something we liked. Did, uh, you mentioned financing before. You're starting up. I mean, you guys were either assistant manager or working in Domino's, and you walk into a bank and you try and get a loan. Was that difficult as a, as a first-time entrepreneur starting your own business? Uh, yes, it was very difficult, actually. A lot of the banks at that time, even today, didn't want to finance restaurants because they thought it was a very high-risk uh, venture. But uh, eventually we, we hit on a bank that was uh, willing to finance us. So we were uh, very lucky and happy about that. Is there something that you would have proven to them differently today, knowing knowing the bit of the business and the background? Uh, like, how would you approach a bank today? And like, you know, if you're you're looking at a at a franchisee saying, "Hey, you're going to go open up a bank. This is what you need to go tell them." Well, basically, we have to provide a business plan, obviously, and we have to uh, make sure. I mean, right now we have a couple locations, so it's already kind of self-supported. But uh, I mean, we just have to make sure that we're, we know what we're doing, and we have to give us. We have to make sure that we're confident. How involved is, I mean, you know, and, and I'm trying to get in the mind of a franchisee, how involved does the, the franchisor get into the business? I, th I think, you know, as you're running a, a, a business and you have this kind of, not big brother, but this large organization uh, sitting over you and giving you some guidelines, uh, that's got to impact in the entrepreneur that has these, the, the entrepreneurial spirit of wanting to take his own, uh, you know, his own path and his own desires and deal with the product and customers and, and all that. And I, I think that I'm really curious to know where in the mindset that kind of came in and certainly in your first few months of operations. You know, as far as, as, as you know, was Domino's there, were they assisting, they have their consultant, they kind of give you certain guidelines. How, how involved and implicated were they? Well, they're very involved and very implicated in helping us out. I mean, uh, you know, helping us as Rob was saying before, um, making sure that we had the proper location and also uh, providing us with marketing materials to make sure that uh, we advertise properly to our customers and helping us build the store and pr the proper procedures and standards that had to be uh, had to be administered. Was it a success from the get-go? Um, it was a difficult run at the, at the beginning. Uh, we had some uh, tough times at the beginning. There's long hours involved and uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, promoting the product and promoting our service. Uh, in fact, when we started, we uh, initially we had what's called a, uh, a mock rush where we went out to customers door to door 
and uh, told them that a certain day you're gonna you can order pizza, and it's gonna be completely free of charge. We just want to practice to get our staff used to providing a good product and service, and that wowed a lot of the customers, and they're quite impressed, and that helped us build our clientele to start with. Rob Lekornick and Jesse Goodwin are owners of two Domino's franchises. Uh, there are the guests this evening on Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau. Uh, more with them in just a second, 514-790-0991. It's 8.15 right now. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Uh, Josh Miller with us uh, on, uh, of course, on, as he is always, Monday nights uh, uh, from 8 p.m. now for the next uh, couple of months. And our guests this evening, Rob Lekornick and Jesse Goodwin, they are owners of uh, two Domino's franchises. And coming up in a bit, we'll also talk to uh, Micheline Mayette of Fuller Landau about human resources issues. Uh, so do stay tuned for that. But first, uh, we continue with uh, Rob and Jesse. So... Rob, you left off last with customer service, and this was an important factor when you're dealing with franchises, you're dealing with customers on a daily basis, you're dealing with a food product, which is very important. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you approached, uh, either one of you, approached customer service and the excellent that you strive for. Oh Well, I make sure that uh, customer service is one of the most important aspects of a Domino's Pizza, a Domino's Pizza, any Domino's Pizza. Uh, I think it's really important. Uh, any business can... Uh, thrive on having great customer service and make sure that customers wowed and satisfied every step of the way. As everyone knows, customer service is really, really important in the fast food industry, even across the board. So uh, we have different uh, different ways to make sure that uh, our customers are treated the way they should be, the way they deserve to be. And that's uh, one way is training our people to make sure they respond to the customer's needs. And uh, another way, of course, is to make sure that the uh, product is always uh, perfect and, and optimal. And that's another important aspect. And you just just have to leave it up to people too to show initiative to make sure that the customers are going to be treated properly. It's how you convey the message to our people to make sure that everything's taken care of properly. Do you get firsthand feedback? I mean, what do you do to follow you know follow up with with customers and just to make sure that it it is a constant product that you're delivering? Well, we do uh, customer callbacks, which means that after, let's say, a customer has ordered a pizza at nighttime, we'll call back the customer and ask uh, how the service was, how was the product, how long did it take for the order to be delivered to their door. So there's random checks, uh, which are very thorough and also very important and provide important feedback to the cust- to our to our store staff. And is there, I mean, do you have, I'm sure you have plenty of satisfied customers. Uh, do, you, do you get compliments? Do you get dissatisfactions? Uh, how do you deal with that? And are you training your people properly? Is it difficult to, to impart? Uh, well, it depends on the individual. Some people are obviously easier to train to make sure the customer's satisfied all the, all the time. But uh, overall, uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. I mean, our, our, our staff is trained to know that they have to treat the customer a certain way. Uh, we get a co- customer compliments most of the time. Sometimes, in fact, actually, Rob had a funny story about uh, many years back. The uh, customer was actually so surprised that our pizza, the pizza was delivered so fast. They called back. They thought it was frozen. And we invited, <laughs> we invited the customer to the cu- come to back to the store mm-hmm. and to make sure and to try our pizza and just watch in front of us how we made the pizza fresh. And they were very surprised, of course, Domino's Pizza is fresh, arrives fresh, made fresh. So it's quality assurance is a, is a huge factor. Oh yeah, it's Absolutely. very it's very big. We make we have do random inspections. In fact, Domino's Pizza has their business consultant come in and do inspections across the board to make sure that product's quality is uh, met. And also, I myself in my store stores 
I also randomly do a customer inspections and also store inspections to make sure the product is always uh, where it should be. Now, it, it, so it sounds like, uh, Jesse, that you're you know really focused on the customer side of it, the sales side of it. Rob, you mentioned earlier you were more on the administrative side of it. You guys certainly have different roles and as partners in these two franchises, do you guys overlap? How did you select your roles? That was just more of a natural progression kind of thing. Uh, as Jesse was saying, he's very customer-oriented. So am I. But, I mean, that's just Jesse's specialty. I mean, he's, he's actually, uh, uh, in, in addition to the manuals provided by Domino's, he's even made his own training materials to help out. Uh, myself, I focus more on the paperwork and the payroll, a bit of the accounting, and uh, things of that nature. And when it comes to decision-making, I mean, are you guys always on the same page? Or do you kind of clash from time to time? You've been friends for a long time, so I'm wondering how that works within business. Oh, most of the time, it's uh, pr we're pretty easy going, both of us. So it's not very hard for us to agree on decisions. Once in a while, we may have disagreements, but as I said, we, you know, we discuss it a little bit, and uh, one of us lets it go, and we just come to a conclusion. So it's never come up to uh, fisticuff or blows or anything <laughs> no, of that nature. Not yet, but there's still time. <laughs> no, 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 no pizza, no pizza throwing in the face or anything like no, that. Not like that. <laughs> Uh, you, you, you know, you touched a little bit on uh, quality assurance and excellence. So there's got to be a marketing aspect. You've got to make sure that the people out there know it. I mean, you invited one customer back to the store. Um, but there's, there's got to be other ways or certain marketing efforts that you must have done to make sure that the name is out there and it's, it's really quality. Talk to us a little bit about how you've been able to take that marketing in your local market and make it yours. Well, we, we do a lot of uh, local flyering that we make our own flyers. I mean, Domino's Canada provides us with the national program of flyers. We as well make our own local flyering. We also have a lot of community involvement. Um, we are involved with uh, sports, uh, hockey, and uh, soccer, local teams, and uh, as well as schools. And in the summer times, we have camp tours. We have scouts come, and they make their own pizzas and things like that. So it's very important to have a lot of community involvement. Today's Entrepreneur continues, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Our guests this evening, Rob LeKernick and Jesse Goodwin, owners of two Domino's franchises. More in a moment. It's 823 on CJD. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 824 on CJD. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau. Our guests this evening, Rob LeKernick and Jesse Goodwin, owners of two Domino's franchises. And in a moment, we'll talk about HR with Michelin Mayette. Uh, but first, we continue on with uh, Rob and Jesse. You know, they've had a number of years' experience along the way, and we're hearing some interesting stories. But I, I'm very curious to know that along the way, since you've started in 1997, I believe is the year, right. have, you, have you kind of looked back and said, you know what? If I had done something a little differently, had I, you know, I think I made this mistake. If I'd done it a little differently, I reached a fork in the road that I would have done this. I would have gone left instead of right. Is there anything that kind of comes to mind with, with a mistake you made you would have done differently? Well, one aspect would be uh, when we first opened the store, we printed out too many menus. And uh, <laughs> we printed too many menus, and we actually changed our prices a couple of months later, so we couldn't really use them. So that was a bit of an expenditure that we didn't need. Are you, you know, you know, you're very people oriented, certainly in customer service and quality. And I, I'm sure that Domino's places X amount of uh, a whole rule book in front in front of you, if you will. Um, but is there is there something that you've either wanted to change along the way, or you've been able to instill or deal with your people that have 
kind of enhanced your business and really have people keep coming back at the door? Oh, one of the big things, of course, as I mentioned before, is customer service. I think any business to strive and, and to thrive is to have great customer service and have great marketing. And if you combine those two properly, I think you'll have a great success. Do you have a, um, a good either mentor or peer group that you guys kind of bounce ideas off of that help you go along the way? Well, we, uh, we, we meet a lot with other Domino's franchisees and uh, we bounce ideas off each other and we come together as a team a lot of times and we actually do marketing as well as a team. A lot of times in the past we've done that, we've, whether it be billboards or flyers or uh, radio. Is it a large group in Quebec that kind of gets together or is it really a focus on the Montreal region? It's more on the Montreal region because most of the stores in Quebec are actually in the Montreal area. Do you see yourselves as competitors with these other Domino franchises, or do you really work uh, together as a No, team? we work together. That's, that's the uh, beauty of this system is that we each have our individual territories, and we don't compete with one another. We work together as a team. You know, I, I'm thinking that, you know, as, as the evening goes on, and I haven't had dinner yet, and mm-hmm. as we're on the air, you know, I'm staring at the computer screen saying, there, you know, is online business, is online ordering becoming a little more prevalent, a little more important? Um, how is that affecting your business, the online ordering? And is that set up uh, already at Domino's? Uh, yes, the online ordering is already set up and it's uh, working quite well. The online ordering frequency is increasing every week and it's adding to our total orders and our order frequency and our average ticket per order. So it's uh, really going well and promoting it with uh, proper marketing flyers and uh, radio and things of that nature. And is it a system? I mean, is it is it very is it fully automated that uh, there's really nothing that gone wrong that you you kind of monitor as you go along? Well, there, it seems yeah, it's working well. I mean, people simply just type in their address and it'll direct them to the the proper store in their area. Uh, they can pay by credit card online, so there's no the only communication they have really they don't have to call a store is, is with the driver when the driver delivers the pizza. So it definitely simplifies things for people who are busy and don't have time to pick up a phone. <laughs> you say drivers. Let's talk a little bit about the drivers. Now, I'm sure they come from all walks of life, and they're they're very dedicated. Is it easy to find drivers? Are they, you know, dedicated to the customer service? Because you're, uh, like, the turnover. Talk, talk to us a little bit about those either part-time or full-time people that are on the roads delivering your product. Well, like you said, the delivery drivers, they, they come from all over, and, and they're quite dedicated. We have a, It's really a mix of part-time, full-time students, Things like that. And we instill the same things in them as we do in, in our in our kitchen staff as well. You know, motivate them, try and get them to get to the people's house fast, not by driving fast, but by moving fast on their feet. Do you guys still drive or you you you've hung up your, your keys? I've I still drive once in a while actually. If I come to the store in the afternoon and it's busy and we're short staffed a little bit, I'll get on the road out there and visit my customers and uh, make sure the customer's happy, wowed and with a fast product, hot product. So I, I like driving still. Part of what you keep, I guess, is quality control. Exactly. I can go to the customers and talk to them, make sure they're happy, and uh, wow them with great customer service. I, I think with, uh, you know, with certainly so many employee issues, you know, and there, there's turnover and there's people that kind of take over what the entrepreneur does, uh, there's really so many aspects that the entrepreneur has to be aware of. And I, you know, I think after the breakdown, we'll, we'll really touch upon the, the human resource aspect side with whatever turnover and generations, because you said, uh, Rob, that there was youth in the, in the business. And sometimes it's different to deal with them versus some of the older generation. Rob Lekernick and Jesse Goodwin uh, from the uh, local Domino's franchises. Thanks so much for joining us this evening, guys.
Thank you for having us. And uh, coming up next, we'll tackle those HR issues with Michelle Mayette of uh, Fuller Landau. So if you have any questions about HR issues for your business, small, medium uh, business, uh, size businesses rather, uh, you can always give us a call and uh, the team here at Fuller Landau uh, can help guide you. 514-790-0991 and Star Talk. That's Star 8255 on Bell Mobility. 830 right now on CJD. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 8.32 on CJD. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people and uh, Josh Miller with me from Fuller Landau to talk about uh, HR issues. Also from Fuller Landau is uh, Micheline Mayette. Welcome back, Micheline. Hi. Good day. Uh, so we were talking about uh, our, our Domino's uh, franchisees, uh, Rob Lakornik and Jesse Goodwin, and uh, some of the issues that they face when it comes to HR, uh, certainly high turnover rate, uh, a lot of students working in these in these places. Uh, Micheline, how do you deal with, with HR issues uh, when you have businesses that, that have such a high turnover? I would say the restaurant industry is definitely an industry where there is t generally a very high turnover. I would say that and the retail industry are probably the um, the industries with the highest turnover. Uh, the number one thing that I usually recommend companies to do is to find out why employees are leaving. That's the number one thing, really. So I always recommend the companies do exit interviews. I find that's the best tool to know why are people leaving. Sometimes, you know, especially in smaller businesses, people tend to take it very personally when they have people that are leaving. So sometimes they don't even want to ask the question, they're just upset. But really it's best to find out, put your pride aside, find out why they're leaving, find out what you can do better next time to make sure that your staff stays with you. Do you think that entrepreneurs would recognize that there's a common theme somewhere and um, when they hear it once or twice might actually open their eyes a little bit? It's difficult when you have a smaller staff. So when you have like, you know, 10 or 20 people, then there's not always a common theme that's as easy to identify. But it's good to be aware of some of the issues why, of why people left. So next time you can watch out for those things in particular. Now, what about the people that you kind of want to have them leave, but they don't? They kind of stick around a little too long, <laughs> you know. The, and, and certainly, you know, we've all lived that scenario. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the guys at Domino's that have in their past life lived that scenario too. What what should an entrepreneur do to kind of facilitate that departure? Well, I mean, there's two different types of turnover. There's the voluntary turnover and the involuntary turnover. So in this case, we're kind of talking about involuntary turnover that's not really happening <laughs> where right. you want it to happen. Um, well, I mean, the best thing to do, especially if you have a smaller staff, uh, it's very important that everybody's contributing within your business. So it's really important to follow up with employees, make sure you give them the feedback uh, that's necessary. If there's any issues, make sure to document them properly in the employee's file so that if ever you do make the decision to terminate the employment, that you do have a well-documented file and you don't have any legal issues afterwards. Now, these verbal discussions, like what, what if there's, you know, the, the, the entrepreneur or the employer is just talking to the employee and saying, well, you did that right, you did that wrong, you did that wrong, you did that wrong, and it's all verbal. Like, you know, yeah. how, how, do, how do they put it to paper? How do they try to formalize it without putting the employees, uh, you know, on their back or up against the wall and kind of threatening them at the same time? I'd say this is a pretty common fault among entrepreneurs <laughs> is they like to keep things very informal. And so when it comes to giving feedback, yes, the first time, you know, your employee doesn't cook their pizza properly, then 
it's okay to just tell them, you know, you didn't do it properly. This is how you do it. It doesn't have to be super formal at the beginning. But when it's the second time that you're telling them, then it's a good idea to note in the file that you're giving them a verbal warning. Let the employee know, document it. And then if there's any further incidences, again, to make sure that you actually are more formal about it and actually give them a written letter that can be documented in the file. But most entrepreneurs, I would say, don't do this. And then they end up regretting it after if the case goes to court and it's very expensive. So I don't think they always realize um, what the cost is down the road. And once they do, they tend to be much more careful after. You mentioned uh, having some of these warning notices on a file. How much paperwork do you have to accumulate if you're in the process of letting someone go? If you want to fire someone, uh, how many warnings does it take usually? It, there's no clear-cut number, unfortunately. It depends. Every situation is different. That's why it's a good idea to consult a labor lawyer if, if you do have this type of situation, especially if the employee's been with you for a while. Um, you know, there's a few th different things to consider. Is the person pregnant when you're letting them go? For example, did they just announce that they're pregnant and then you decide to let them go? That would be obviously very bad. Um, you know, has the employee been with you for 30 years? Has the person been with you for two weeks? You know, there's, it varies a lot based on the seniority, the type of position the person has. Is it a managerial position or is it a very entry-level position? So there's a lot of factors. Well, so let, let's ask Robert Jesse quickly, you know, has there been an experience, like how do you deal with uh, I guess, termination of employee or a little bit of turnover? Is there anything specific that you've learned along the years that you'd like to share? Well, I think it's very important to uh, communicate with the staff member and make sure that uh, they know what's expected of them. Uh, constant evaluation is very important, motivation, and I think just regular communication on a day-to-day -day basis is very important to make sure that the, the, uh, the uh, staff member is doing what they're expected to do. Michelin, how would you how important would you say are job descriptions for people? Well, I think it's good to have a clear expectation of the position. So it can be a job description. When you talk about job descriptions to entrepreneurs, they really cringe and are like, and they'll say, "No, I really don't want to formalize what the person does because they have to do a bit of everything." You know, it depends on the type of company. I think a great thing with a franchise is that you do have the head office kind of guiding you on how to manage your HR practices. So when you talk about performance evaluations, I mean, it's great that you'll do that type of that type of practice because a lot of companies don't do it. And a lot of companies, even for the training you were talking about, um, that your employees all get customer service training at the beginning, that's one thing that companies tend to find is just obvious. So they hire people and they kind of expect that they'll know how to do it and they'll never give them the training needed. And it'll backfire in the end. So for them, it's obvious. but. Things aren't always obvious to everybody. So when, I mean, Jesse certainly mentioned communication and you're talking about documentation, really it's, the, the lesson is, and you know, you see it all the time, entrepreneurs, they run by the seat of their pants, they're just, they're trying to make a buck, they've got a great idea, they're going from one idea to another, yet they don't exactly write things down, they don't exactly send an email, they don't exactly create an employee file, and that at the end of the day can be their downfall. It's great when everything's working out perfectly, when the employee's working out really well, but when there's a little hint of, ooh, it's not working out that well, or, you know, there's they're, they're not treating the customer properly, now i got to find a way to let them go, and they've been with you for three, four, five, ten years, it becomes way more difficult to uh, to get rid of them. Is, are there specific things in, in let's say, a, if somebody were to keep a, an employee file actually in writing, are, would you suggest a certain list of things that they should maintain in there? Really, they should keep anything that's relevant to the employee. 
Um, they have to keep in mind an employee can have access to their own employee file at any time, so the employee should be aware of what's going in there in terms of documentation. Uh, because it's private, confidential information, it should always be kept under lock and key and uh, limited to access of only a certain number of people within the company. Um, there's a lot of identity fraud, and in most cases, if people go to the police, they'll often ask, um, who keeps your personnel file at work? You should go find out if it's being kept in a secure location because there's a lot of inf information in there that um, that's very confidential. Is you know we were also talking about generations before, and how uh, and I know and you know we certainly dealt with so many different generations between uh, the entrepreneurs that are here, and you got to approach them in different ways. Uh, you know we're talking about employee files and dealing with them, but even informally and formally. Um, what have you seen, you know, kind of with the younger versus older generation when you're dealing with, with the HR issues? Uh, one thing that I would say, and again, it's generalizations, but I'd say it is a pretty common theme, is that they tend to be more outspoken and more confident maybe than, than previous generations. Uh, part of it is, you know, the theory behind it is that when parents were raising their children of that generation, uh, there was a big movement among parents that they really want to build the confidence of their children, so they would ask their opinions a lot more. Um, you know, you see children are involved in decisions for purchasing cars, which are major decisions. And so they entered the workforce feeling that their opinion was very important and should be counted, which is great. I mean, a lot of them actually have very good ideas. And so I find the important thing in dealing with the new generation is to really go out and seek their opinion. Uh, ask them, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think we can improve? It's also a lot easier for the ego of the manager or entrepreneur to actually go out and ask the question than to be told, I don't think you're doing this right. <laughs> Sometimes when there's a new generation coming in, perhaps a, a son or daughter, they come into the business and all the old rules go out the window. Uh, and there's a new set of rules, new guidelines. What kind of, um, uh, I guess, protections can, can both employers and employees uh, uh, have to, to make sure that everyone gets along under these new systems? The most important thing is really to communicate changes, why they're happening, and this really goes for any situation where you're, where you're putting changes in place uh, in a company. Um, get buy-in of the employees as much as possible before the changes are made. I mean, sometimes you see the new generation come into a company and it can be the son or daughter who went to business school and who never really worked very much, and so they come in and think they have all these great ideas that maybe aren't practical. In other cases, you have children who've worked in the company for a long time but have never really had the input because their their mother or father was really running the business. And so when they came in, the ideas they have could be much more practical because they actually have the experience. But in any case, whenever you're making a change, it's really important to communicate it in advance, give people time to absorb it before making the change if possible. Uh, Rob, Jesse, you know, you, you're dealing with some part-time people, drivers, you're dealing with some management. You've certainly seen the different generations uh, within your own business. How would you describe the differences or what differences do you see between them? Well, I would say uh, technology is the biggest change. I mean, being with, you know, the internet nowadays as opposed to when we started, it wasn't as nearly the same thing. Um, people were more hands-on, uh, manually, just counting cash, for example, is, is a more of a problem today than it was back in the uh, late 90s. Mm -hmm. um, we have people who, you know, they can work on a cell phone, no problem, and, uh, and, and Twitter and Facebook, but when it comes to... Uh, counting cash, they have a lot of problems nowadays as opposed to, you know, back in the, when, we, when we first started. Is there, I don't know, Jesse, if you've had a different experience or not, 
Uh, I mean, can can you talk a little bit about uh, do they do they work a little differently? Is their ethic a little different? Do they think a little differently? You know, Rob was mentioning, oh, well, they don't count anymore. You know, they have to do it on their uh, on their BlackBerry or their iPhone. So I, I'm just curious to know, uh, and anybody can pipe in at the moment, where they kind of see these generational differences in that respect. Well, like Rob was saying, it's uh, a lot of it is, has to do with the work ethic and just the uh, maybe the alertness of it all. The, a little bit uh, the generations maybe 10, 15 years ago, they seemed a little bit more they could multitask. And nowadays, it's becoming a, maybe a little more increasingly difficult for them, let's say, to focus on a particular task. So they're so used to, um, well, multitasking. So right now, they tend to multitask a lot on the computer, but I guess sometimes they're so distracted by all the different technology that surrounds them that they have trouble focusing on uh, one specific task at a time. Exactly. Uh, I think, you know, when we're talking about people, we're we're kind of what we're missing to talk about is key people, people that are there to really try and look after the business, a, a right-hand person of the entrepreneur, and that's something that I think must be really difficult to to find. And if you find it, you really want to keep that person. So I think after when we get back from the break, we can talk about really finding that key employee and what we can do to keep them, motivate them, and why they should be there to begin with. Today's entrepreneur on a CJAD continues after the break, eight forty-five. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur. We're dealing with HR issues now in studio. Michel Mayette of uh, Fuller Landau, and of course uh, Josh Miller, our co-host, and also uh, Rob and Jesse from uh, Domino's. They are two Domino's franchise owners. And guys, we're talking about uh, key people in the system. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, or how do you uh, keep certain key people within your organization to make sure that uh, maybe all the burden doesn't fall on on your shoulders? Well, I would say uh, motivation is number one. You have to keep them motivated. Um, incentives. Uh, Such as? Well, we also have a bonus system set up, of course. That's okay. always one big incentive. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> money. Money works. Yeah. Not always pizza, but money. Right. And, uh, oh, Jesse, you have anything? Uh, also, you have to train the, train the team member as well to make sure, obviously, that they uh, feel important and uh, you have to give them also the proper leeway so that they can handle things on their own and find solutions and make sure that they feel fulfilled at their job. That's one of the most uh, important things as well. Now, there must have been a point. I mean, when you guys started out, it was really the two of you. You were, you know, for want of a better term, chief cook and bottle washer, as it may uh, may apply more more specifically. There must have been a point where you said, you know what, I just, you know, it's no, I'm the entrepreneur. I'm trying to run a business. It shouldn't be me flipping the pieces. It shouldn't be me delivering. It shouldn't be me doing some of the more menial tasks. Um, at what stage did you did you get there? Was there a, something, a light bulb that went off in your head? Uh, maybe you can elaborate a little bit. Well, I think that came uh, when we opened our second location in 2001. We realized it's time to kind of let go a little bit and uh, put our faith in, you know, good managers that we had at the time and we still have today, of course. And uh, we just went from there and... Uh, Remember the first time, actually, that uh, we left the restaurant and let somebody else in charge. It was really difficult the first night. I remember we went out for dinner, and we were wondering what was happening in the store and uh, just wondering what was going on, if everything was being taken care of the way it should be. And that was a hard night. But after that, uh, you know, we let other people be in charge, and, you know, you have to go with it. So you're saying control, control is really difficult for an entrepreneur to give up, at least at first. 
at first it's very, very, very hard. Yeah, it's quite hard. And how about today? You know, you're you're 13 years in, uh, and you have people there. Do you still feel that you're kind of pulled back a little bit that control, or have you learned to really let go and look, have a bit more of a vision? I've learned to let go myself and have a, more of a vision. You have no choice, especially when you have a couple locations. However, I still get my hands dirty in the restaurant business still and uh, make sure that things are taken care of because, uh, after all, I still enjoy it a lot. I love serving customers. I like making pizzas. Uh, the, the topic of delegation to me, Josh, is an interesting one because it's been said that the key to success is mm -hmm. delegation. Uh, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs who, who, who like you said, um, are afraid to share the responsibility, afraid to delegate? If you keep doing it yourself, and you see it amongst entrepreneurs all the time, they get at the beginning, they're the ones that have the ideas, they're the ones that really want to make everything happen, and they're the ones that, only, that they believe they're the only ones they can make it happen. But what differentiates between the true entrepreneur is that entrepreneur house has vision. And that vision can't have that person doing, doing, doing all the time. The, the quality and some of the characteristics of the best entrepreneurs is they have vision and they have ideas and they should be generating those ideas and finding the next best thing looking two, three, five, ten years out. And to do that, the only way they can do that is to get away, step away from the actual actions, step away from the doing, 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 and, and have somebody in there uh, that they can delegate to. Even if that person only does 80% as well as you can do it, you're still going to be Time and time again, you see that you, the entrepreneur is still going to be much better off because they can devote their energy somewhere else. Is that opportunity cost? And that's where the success gets driven from. Uh, you know, I, and we're talking about, uh, as, as we bring it back to key employees, because that's really where the entrepreneur is going to drive his success, having the key people. We we're talking, Dan, you asked a question about bonus systems or, or what the incentive programs. Maybe I can ask Michelin what she's seen over the years. Uh, as far as how do you, you know, how do you incentivize people? How do you kind of leave that carrot or that pizza kind of hanging in front of them uh, for them to catch? There definitely has to be some kind of incentive to perform well. It could be in the form of a bonus or other types of remuneration or something. Um, sometimes you get complaints because if you, let's say, have a performance valuation system and every year the employee scores amazing, you tell them that they're your top employee, but they're getting the same increase and same pay as everybody else, it can be a little demoralizing. Um, if you have a very strict system in place and there's no way to give something extra, you can always find something usually more informal, even if it's a day off, or just a way to thank the employee. Um, because yes, you can say thank you, and that does go a long way, but there is a limit to how far that goes. So it is important to make people know that their efforts are going to be rewarded at the end of the line. Is it also, like you know, I, I know it's a, uh, there's always a two-way street. So not everything drives the same employee. Not every incentive will drive different people the same way. So it's really kind of getting a little bit into the head of your key people. Uh, e even, I mean, would you suggest even sitting down with them to ask them what challenges them and what drives them? Well, I mean, I think communication is key. And yes, I mean, you can definitely ask the employee, you know, what do you want? Do you prefer having time off because you have young children or do you prefer, prefer the bonus or... Uh, you know, I think it is a good idea to ask them to get their input. It's not as easy to do the bigger the company gets, but when you're smaller and you only have a few people to manage, then yes, I think it is great to be flexible. I think that's one of the advantages that entrepreneurs and small, medium-sized businesses have over the bigger companies that aren't as flexible with the employees. Today's Entrepreneur continues on CJAD. It's uh, 8.53. 
and professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 8.54 on CJD, uh, last uh, moments of today's entrepreneur with uh, Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. Our guests are Rob Lekarnik and Jesse Goodwin, owners of two Domino's franchises, also in studio. And Micheline Mayette, the HR person over at uh, Fuller Landau. Josh. We were uh, talking earlier, I mean, we had a whole bunch of topics. And uh, one thing, you know, they're, they're Domino's franchisees. And I'm really curious to know, uh, if somebody was to start a franchisee today, what what would you what advice would you give them? What are the pitfalls? What are the things that they should look for? Well, one thing uh, I've learned over time is that a lot of common misconception is that a lot of people feel that if you're managing an operation or a business, that it, you think it's the same thing as owning it. And uh, I myself actually fell for that originally. I, I was managing a store for a while, and I I figured, hey, I'm doing this. I might as well just own one at this point. But the truth is, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. There's a lot more business end there's a lot you know as well um, a lot of another misconception that people have is they think that owning a franchise is an easy thing and it's just an, a turnkey operation and you walk in everything set up for you it's not always the case there's still a lot of work to be done before during you know and after it's built is there is there i mean but they, they give you kind of a, a playbook to go by um is, is that how it works like when you first get started is like here you know we've accepted you is it difficult to get a franchise do you have to follow certain criteria uh, yes, you have to be a manager of a Domino's franchise for a year, or you have to, uh, you know, go through a certain strict training program to make sure that you know how to uh, how to handle the standards and to make sure everything is uh, perfect. Of course, um, aside from that, uh, it could be uh, pretty difficult. Is there, you know, again, I, I come back to this playbook that uh, I believe they want the franchisees to kind of follow certain rules, regulations, product, uh, and all that jazz. Is there? Do you work directly from that? Do you kind of create your own after that? Like, what if somebody were to get into that, what would you tell them? I would tell them, uh, if they, especially if they want to get into a franchise, I'd tell them that, uh, you know, it's you can do uh, anything that you put your mind to it as long as you follow the system and as long as you're customer-oriented. Uh, and there are checks, I guess, the franchisor does come every now and then periodically and, uh, I guess, check up on the system, the processes, the owners, um, is that very involved? Do you look forward to that and their input? Do you tell us a little bit about their visits? Uh, well, Domino's Pizza has a great support system. They come frequently to uh, the stores to make sure everything's being uh, taken care of properly. And uh, it's very important and uh, comforting, actually. <laughs> uh, as in, you, you kind of can bounce ideas off of them as well? Uh, yes, they actually have a lot of ideas of themselves. and uh, But they also give us a lot of leeway initiative that we can uh, do ourselves. Now, what's next? I mean, are you guys satisfied as entrepreneurs? Are you satisfied with the two locations? Like, what's beyond this? Do you look beyond this, uh, this part of your life? Like, where's the next steps for you? Well, the next step for us is we're, we're considering now opening a third location uh, this year. We're actually currently looking for uh, locations right now and, and areas. And we hope to keep growing from there. And if you had to give any advice to today's entrepreneur, you know, stuff that either keeps you up at night or not. What what one piece of advice would you give today's entrepreneur? Uh, well, I would say that not to think about business when you're going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> can you really leave it? Can you really leave it at the office? Uh, yes, I've been able to do that now. I used to have a harder pro harder time when I was younger, 
However, uh, after having some uh, problem, panic problems at nighttime, uh, now I can leave it at the office and I sleep very peacefully. And Rob, do you have anything, uh, any words of wisdom that you would offer to today's entrepreneur? Well, similar to what Jesse said before, that if you have a, you know, if you follow the plan, if you have a well-organized system and you strictly adhere to it, you should be successful as long as you follow the plan that's before you. Well, thanks very much, guys. You know, certainly uh, gained a little bit of insight into some Domino's franchise, The Entrepreneur. I think what sticks out with me is that, you know, it's a moving target. Um, but delegation, as Dan said before, if you, you know, entrepreneurs, when they start out, they will roll up their sleeves, they really get into it. That's something and that control is really difficult to give up. But I think the true entrepreneur, the one that's really going to gain the big success, more more dollars in his pocket, uh, bigger ambition is the one that is able to find the key people to pass off the train, to pass off that information and to truly make the best of, of their vision going forward. It's only when you really can create the right team around you, the right hand person, the left hand person, that an entrepreneur can really take that vision and make it as much as they can looking down the road. Thank you, Rob and Jesse, and thank you as well to Michelle Mayette of Fuller Landau. Uh, you can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit their website, www.flmontreal.com. Today's Entrepreneur returns next week at 8 p.m. Thanks again, Josh. Dan, it was a great uh, start to the year. Next week, we're going to have a great show uh, with uh, Nutrasoya. The owner of Nutrasoya is going to come and tell us about how he built that uh, brand and uh, import-export. Excellent. Uh, so again, for Landau, flmontreal.com. Uh, this has been Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD. Delmar at Night is next. The opinions of the commentator or commentators are solely those of the commentators and not of CJAD 800 or Astral.